Hey there, Matt here. Before we get started, just want to let you know that we will be sprinkling some book knowledge into our podcast. Don't worry, they will not spoil any aspect of the story. They're just more supplementary. However, if you're a person who absolutely hates book reader knowledge in your TV talk, then this podcast probably isn't for you. Also, we're sorry. Anyway, here's the podcast. Hope you enjoy Dedicated to George R.R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire book series. Well, I just want to say this first off. I'm very impressed that you did all of that calculating in just 10 minutes. Second, I'm kind of angry that you only put 10 minutes worth of effort into that list. <laughs> and the HBO Game of Thrones franchises. <laughs> well, only Matt, you can be impressed and insulted at the same time. You're listening to Before the Dragon. Don't tell me what to do. Do, 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 do. Matt here with you. As you know, we're a podcast dedicated to all of the Game of Thrones franchises on HBO, as well as A Song of Ice and Fire. And I suppose that that comes up as a topic of conversation today, simply because there was stuff depicted here in this particular episode that was outlined in George's book, A Fire and Blood, but it was presented with different and conflicting accounts. Now, before the show aired, I started seeing people who were in the know and being followed by a bunch of people on Twitter talking about how critics had called this the most controversial episode uh, to date. And I guess if you want to look at it from the perspective of how the show created its own canon regarding these events that you find in Fire and Blood, first of all, if that's a controversy to anybody, get over it simply because the show has given you a canon, just as the shows have always given you a show canon. It doesn't have anything to do with what you read or what you believe in the books. And I frank, quite frankly don't care about that. They're, they're two separate entities of the same creation. And I've always treated Game of Thrones like that as far as A Song of Ice and Fire goes. But once you establish a universal show canon, you have to follow that show canon with all of the other shows. So if you don't like this, well, I guess you can write HBO and tell them to rewrite season one and reshoot season one of House of the Dragon the same way you tried to do as far as season eight of Game of Thrones goes. I want nothing to do with it. I loved this, what I feel was a compromise in between all of those storylines. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I don't want to get into book stuff about this and how it compares with the show. The show is the show. If this controversial stuff being called by the critics was about the scenes themselves, stuff within season one, episode four, King of the Narrow Sea, written by Ira Parker and directed by Claire Kilner, I don't see that either, really. What I saw was a director who is a woman showing some empowerment to one of the central stars of this character in regards to sex. Now, it doesn't mean that Damon uh, wasn't being dastardly in this, but Rhaenyra did take her agency, started to with him. Granted, I'm going to say a couple of things right here. Granted, she was under the influence of alcohol. That's a no-no, technically, because she was under the influence of alcohol. And abusing her in that way is awful and contentious. I've got more on Damon in a little bit. 
But as far as the Kristen Cole stuff, if you want to say, well, she was still under the influence of alcohol, then fine. You can say that too. I loved the way that the show kind of combined events that are contested within the books and presented really both sides of those things and, and brought them forth through the perspective of the woman rather than through the perspective of the guy or through the perspective of some historian that's writing a book that's taking three male accounts in regards to what was actually going on in Rhaenyra's mind. I loved Claire Kilner's direction in this. I thought that she did a beautiful job with some very, you know, difficult scenes to do, sensitive scenes to do. And I loved Millie Alcock's acting in it. I loved Matt Smith's acting in it. I love Fabian Frankel's acting in it. I thought that all of it was really well done. Worked really well for me. And if you feel otherwise, you are certainly entitled to your opinion. You can get mad at me. I would love to hear from you. Uh, tweet to at the letter B, the number four, the dragon pod on Twitter. You can send emails to Matt's audio blog at gmail.com. M-A-T-T-S audio blog at gmail.com. You can leave comments on our website, mattsaudioblog.com, M-A-T-T-S audioblog.com. Or you can leave comments on our YouTube. If you're getting our uh, content in video form, just leave a comment down there saying, Matt, you're stupid or Matt, you're right. Um, whatever you want to do. And while you're at the YouTube, please subscribe and like if you use use YouTube a little bit, because uh, that helps us. Uh, to grow our community as well so that we might get more comments down there so that we can share them with our listeners when we get them. Nonetheless, all about that, I, the thing that confine, confounds me, sorry, the thing that confounds me the mo most is the why Damon did this. Now, if you look into the inside the episode, they come up with this line that Damon was basically trying to get back at Viserys. Get back at him for what? I mean, there's a long list here for banishing him, for coming too little too late at the Stepstones. All of these are good motivations for why he might get back at him, but I didn't get the whole point of him doing it this way. Uh, could he have possibly hurt Rhaenyra? Yes, he definitely could have. Uh, and uh, let's not take that lightly. Damon definitely could have really seriously damaged Rhaenyra in this case. But all of the trouble that this causes uh, is really interesting. And I love that Rhaenyra points out that, you know, if she was a male, none of this would matter. Of course, Viserys uh, has to point out that the world that they are in, she is not a male and therefore it is not okay uh which that should be the only thing that's really disturbing seriously disturbing about any of this if you ask me and i don't know like i said you probably disagree with me but feel free to express that through your tweets through your hate mail through however you want to do it i don't really know that there's that much more to say about this particular episode i do want to cover a couple of little things one of them that i feel is very important is alicent for crying out loud we see her going through relations 
with her husband. And granted, she's been through this before. She's had two kids already. And, uh, you know, we see her not really seemingly to be into the moment the way that Rhaenyra is, because this is all new for Rhaenyra and exciting and everything. Um, Alicent doesn't seem to be quite as excited uh, as Rhaenyra is in all of this. But I love the fact that they had looked like that they were their friendship was finally starting to warm back up a little bit. And then this, all of this throws a big mess in it as well, because, you know, as far as Allison is concerned, she's kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. She's married to the king. Uh, the king is Rhaenyra's father. And so... You know, she has to try and make a match for Rhaenyra as well. And when she confronts Rhaenyra, Rhaenyra technically doesn't lie because Damon didn't sully her. However, you know, if they're going to do really weird things like check for maidenhood and what have you like that, which fortunately we didn't see because then I would have been a little disturbed. And the way that Damon reacts to Viserys that's when he's really trying to hurt Viserys by saying, well, just give her to me now. It's, it's, I don't understand what it is that Damon was trying to accomplish with this. I also don't understand if part of Damon's plan or Messiah's plan is to try and get Otto out of there. Maybe that's the overall plan because obviously this little messenger that comes from, quote, the white worm uh, is bringing a message and then we see him returning with the reward for that message, uh, the money, bringing it back to Masaria. So she's obviously the white worm. But if she has a code name like that, how often and how and for how long has she been offering auto information as this white worm? And is Damon privy to this? He didn't seem to be too disturbed by the fact that the kid was bringing money in, although he may not have even thought anything about it. Is Damon even aware of what Masari is doing? And if he is, are they doing it for that kind of intention? Because in the end, Otto does end up out of being the hand of the king. So I just don't get where the showrunners are coming at by telling me on the inside the episode that this thing that Damon was doing was to hurt Viserys when the only thing that it, person that it could have actually possibly hurt was probably Rhaenyra. And I was under the impression that Damon respected Rhaenyra enough to not do that. So is this just the fact that he couldn't help himself? And the fact that when she's game, he actually loses the ability to think about it anymore. It was just really weird because that wouldn't do anything except hurt her also. Of course, she goes and acts on it with Kristen Cole, which, again, I thought was a beautifully done scene. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that. There's a lot of fault to pass around. And I felt like that Rhaenyra was very well represented in having agency in all of this if you disagree again feel free to contact me one other little note that i want to add here uh, about the story itself brackens and blackwoods oh my gosh this is the one thing that book readers can just really have fun with because uh if you don't know 
Uh, there's whole lines and lines and lines that George writes, way too many lines, about the history between the Blackwoods and the Brackens. It's it's kind of like the Hackfields and McCoys in a lot of ways. It's the it's the old it's the standing feud that's been going on uh, a long time. Uh, so during uh, the the courting scene with Rhaenyra, I loved how that came up, and uh, yeah. That that little uh, that little Blackwood boy, he's he's got he's got some anger in him, and he uh, he managed to take a, a bracken out. Uh, so uh, again, it's just all part of that feud, uh, which I love, which I feel like uh, TV only people won't really get. So that's why I'm pointing it out. It doesn't have anything to do with you worrying about how it really affects these events at this time. Just know that. There's a Hackfield and McCoy kind of thing between the Brackens and the Blackwoods. And I totally love that. Uh, that's all I got on that. Uh, Otto, gone. Um, deservedly so. I did feel a little bad for him that he had to be the one to tell a father about his daughter. And they're all self-interested, just as Viserys pointed out. So I did I did feel a little bad for him, but he totally got what he deserved. He deserved to have the hand of the king pin taken away from him uh, from practically the very beginning when he first put his daughter Alicent on Viserys, not really in a sexual way, but just in a way to kind of fuel and fuel the fire for a relationship down the line, because this is the way that Otto works. I've seen a lot of comparisons between Otto and Littlefinger. I don't I don't think that so much. Littlefinger was a much better improviser than Otto Hightower will ever be. And uh I think that that particular fact comes very clear in this episode. We did have some naughty words come out of Allison's mouth for the first time. And guess what? Our Titan of a Song of Ice and Fire from the North, John, had drawn Allison's name. So he will be suffering a punishment this week or next week. I'm not sure. He hasn't picked his punishment yet, but he will be serving a punishment for losing in our Seven Hells game. Later on, on Thursday, we will also have our fourth Westerosi movie scene that you have to guess and participate in our contest, our fourth of five. So time's running out to get those in. I think October 10th is your deadline to get those in. I have three words. What a mess. Because that's essentially what this episode caused. Um, I think that, you know, now she's going to have to go marry Lenor. Uh, and who knows what's going on with all of that. And, you know, that means that her and Kristen Cole can't be together. Kristen Cole did break one of his vows is a king's guard. Uh, I think it's a vow of chastity. On the other hand, if you look at any of the stories in the a Song of Ice and Fire proper in the time of Ned Stark, Jon Snow, all of that, many, many a king's guard will break their oaths from time to time. We've even seen it in the television show Game of Thrones. Uh, Jamie routinely broke his oath, did he not? So with his sister, nonetheless. So, you know, it's nothing new, uh, but uh, just to remind you that that uh, he is not keeping his oath as a keep Kingsguard, no matter how his feelings are about him. 
but I can't blame Rhaenyra. He's just so beautiful. How could you resist him? Um, again, you can say Damon got her a little drunk, so maybe she had some poor judgment there as well. But they seemed to enjoy themselves, so I was happy for them in that particular moment. But now they will never have another moment like that again because she will now be Lenor's wife, evidently. Well, assuming that Viserys can convince Corlys to allow them to be married. Uh, because Corlys has already evidently married his daughter off, who was supposed to be aligned with Viserys, off to somebody on the other side of the, the I think it was somebody in the Free Cities, uh, the Sea Lord of Bravos or something like that. Uh, so that would uh, indicate that, uh, you know, Corlys is kind of still shifting sides here. So Viserys better do something pretty darn quick in order to get uh Corley's back in line and this happens to be it unfortunately that's the uh the politics of marriage i did like damon's kind of explanation you know that uh marriage is politics but that doesn't mean that you have to not do what you feel especially i guess if you're a targaryen i mean is it you know when you're riding a dragon who's going to tell you you can't do anything else nonetheless uh yeah it, it was a muddy situation this time around. So what a mess is my three words. My brothel mates. This could be tough. This could be tough, except that I'm going to totally sidestep all of the brothel stuff uh, and say that Masaria and messengers, uh, that's or messaging even, is my brothel mates, my best coupling, uh, because that is just weird. How long has she been feeding auto information? Uh, why has she been feeding auto information? Is it because Damon is directing her to? Uh, if Damon's doing this with Rhaenyra, is Masaria doing this out of revenge? Is Masaria doing this uh, because Damon wanted her to? It's just all weird. And Damon's whole, again, his motivations for this uh, I can see what the root of the motivations would be, but why in this way? It just seems really weird um, to do this. So I'm much more disturbed by that than I am by the scenes themselves. And I guess that that is all that I have for this time around. Don't forget Thursday, we will have our full panel uh, and you'll get to see hopefully get to see John doing a punishment. If not, he'll be doing it the next time he's on. That is for certain. And uh, everybody else got scot-free. Nobody else had any names or dragon names uh, said by the characters uh, that they'd drawn. So everybody else is safe. John is the only one who didn't escape the clutches of seven hells this time around. And we want your three words. Tweet them to us. Send emails to us with your three-word description of the episode or uh, with your brothel mates, your best coupling. doesn't have to be two people. It can be any kind of pairing that you wish, like I did Masaria and messaging. That's not two people. So there you go. You can, you can do it that way. That's all I've got, I think. So thanks for listening. And uh, again, send your heat, hate mail to me. Uh, I eagerly await it. Take care.